Hello, this is Jessica Carson. You're listening to Relatively Sane Pod because you're a loser. Only losers listen to this podcast. How are you doing today? Do you feel refreshed, moist, good about your... Oh my God, I can't even do this. I'm going to throw up from my own voice. What, you know... Moist is a bad word, but pussy is the worst. I don't know why I even just said that. I'm sorry. I know a lot of you guys are eating, so I don't want to ruin your appetite because mostly binge eaters listen to this podcast and people who are mentally ill, which is fine. Most people, are. I shouldn't say that, people who are aware they're mentally ill and working on it. Gosh, you know, life has been very interesting lately. I have very good things going on, and I have some painful shit going on. And I was performing at a comedy club recently, and a medium came up to me out of nowhere. And he started saying shit to me, and it was pretty real. It really was. He was saying that an older man was talking to him. Anyway, it ended up being my grandfather, because he said he had a big dick. No, I'm joking. It, that's horrible. I don't even know if he did. He probably did because he was very secure. Um, he said <laughs> that there was a grandfather type person around me. And it's very, <laughs> I can't believe I just said that. But it's okay. My grandmother won't hear it because she died too. So I think my grandmother was a dyke because she always sat at the head of the table and she was very like abrupt. And uh, she was also could put together a car. And she had a great throw. Throw? What's wrong with me? I don't even know how I got into my grandfather and my grandmother. The medium, medium, I just said median. I've gone over a couple of medians when I was high. A medium, the medium, told me that my career is going to blow up. Thank God he didn't say my body is because I can't afford to go through that right now. I mean, it's slowly blowing up, but it's going to take years because I have it a little bit in control. But he said my career is going to blow up and that I need to guard myself around people who are going to try to get things from me. And I really understood that because I can be too, I mean, not that I'm not, I don't mind helping people, whatever, but I can be too giving and I can also, I get schmoozed easily by people who don't reciprocate with friendships. So that's not great. I'm really working on that to try and ask for help also and let people help me and take care of me. And I have a feeling a lot of you suffer from that. You know, I have about, I don't know, 4,876 self-help books from over the years. The ones about dieting I ate, but the other ones I still have. And I need to read them. I went through years of buying self-help books. I'm sure a lot of them are in boxes. It's hysterical. I'm buying self-help books about procrastination and motivation, and I put them in a box and never read them. I don't think I've ever read a book fully. Yes, I did. When I first got sober, I brought some books, and it really helped me to not do cocaine and get behind the wheel. But um, I need to open these boxes and get these self-help books out because they're very helpful. They really are. I don't know if a lot of you have read Codependent No More or Beyond Codependency. They're incredible books if you're the kind of person like me that just, you know, constantly tries to help people and sometimes I don't do what's best for me. 
they're really great. I went to one codependence, codependent, no more codependence. No, no. codependence anonymous. What is wrong with me? I think it's because I ate so much popcorn last night. I can't even remember what's going on. I went to a CODA meeting and Codependence Anonymous and it was great until after the meeting a woman got really codependent with me and was begging me for my number and said she wanted to hang out with me a lot. And I'm like, this is not going to work because I'm going to come here and everyone's going to be codependent. So I don't know. I'm going to have to go to another meeting like... (laughs) like getting over codependence anonymous meetings. I don't know. I don't know. This is so boring right now. I mean, it's not, but it is. I think we should get into the podcast because it'll really help you guys not listen to this of just me repeating myself over and over again. Thank you for understanding that I have a mental disorder and for supporting me anyway. Follow me on Instagram at relatively sane pod. My Twitter is sane underscore podcast. Go to my website, jessicacurson.com. It has all my upcoming dates. And it's really, I spent a lot of money on that fucking website. So can you go to it? And then my Instagram is at jessicurson. I just appreciate your support so much. Uh, I gotta go shit. Have a great day. Hi, everyone. Welcome to Relatively Sane. Today, I have such a good friend of mine. I love this man. We connect so much on so many levels I mean that sounded inappropriate but it's very appropriate I love him I love his comedy he's a monster on stage and uh, he has a new album out um, called Axiom which you should definitely download you can find it everywhere you listen to comedy everywhere you listen to podcasts he's also the voice of Strahan Sarah and Kiki on ABC so anytime you hear a voice it's it's him it's my buddy, Mike Yard. Ah, thank you for having me, Jessica. That was an awesome intro. And you know, I feel the same way about you. I know. Every time Jessica's on a show, I'm like, oh, this is going to be good. Well, this is the thing. So Mike is an incredible host, which is not easy to do. So he hosts a lot of shows at the Comedy Cellar. Mm. And he always gets the crowd going. And every time he introduces me, it's like the best intro I could ever ask for. And I feel like I have to do well. (laughs) Well, you're going to do well anyway. No, that's not true. Man, are you kidding me? You've been killing since I met you. (laughs) You're the only person that don't think you're as great as you are. Isn't that crazy? Well, I know I get laughs, but I don't know why they're laughing. That's the honest to God truth. Because you're good. Well, so are you. But do you like know, do you take it in? Oh, yeah. I know I'm good at comedy. That's the one thing I definitely will brag about. I know I'm good at comedy, but I don't really know why. I think it's because I'm silly. Like, I just, I think that's what they're responding to is the silliness. I mean, however you present it to them, you know, but yeah. whatever it is, you have mastered that talent that's been given to you, you know? So oh, that you've thank been you, Mike. With because, I mean, you crush, like, people scared to follow you. <laughs> <laughs> you know, it's so crazy. Like, it sounds like on. she's not last. <laughs> It sounds like people are afraid to follow me on the street because I might kill them. Can you imagine? I'm going to go follow her. She's going to kill me. crazy? Yeah. That white girl's crazy. Um, So let's talk for a second. Where did you grow up? Well, I'm born in the Virgin Islands, St. Croix, U.S. Virgin Islands. Beautiful, uh, three beautiful islands in the Caribbean. That makes up the Virgin Islands. I'm from the biggest one, which is St. Croix. 
and um, then moved to uh, New York City when I was 13 years old, uh, East New York, Brooklyn, and uh, lived there till I was uh, maybe in my mid-20s, early mid-20s. Wow. Yeah. So what made your out. family move here? Just for a better life kind of thing? Well, no, my fa- yeah, my father worked for, my father works for a company in uh, St. Croix called Martin Marietta. Basically, they did pretty much everything. They built parts for the space shuttle. They worked on moon rocks. They did like a bunch of crazy stuff in that complex. You know, I don't know half the stuff that was in there. <laughs> but my father was a lab technician. And so when they shut down, there was not much lab technician work Right on an island, you know, yeah. there's not much call for scientists on a small island like that. So, you know, we had to get out, and he had friends in New York that told him to move to New York City, and so he made the, we made the jump as a family, and the rest is history. And how many siblings do you have? I have four brothers, uh, three brothers, one sister. Oh wow! Well, one of my brothers recently passed away, so. Oh, I'm sorry. But it was five of us. I remember that because we had a similar situation around the same time. Yeah, my yeah, stepsister. Yeah, yeah. So where are you in the in the age? I'm the middle child. Oh, that's why see, I do yeah. comedy. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I need attention. Somebody pay attention to me. Yeah, I, I love tough. that. Did you feel like that growing up oh, that you absolutely. always wanted attention? Absolutely, because I would. They would like. They would forget me places. Yeah. Like, yeah. When you're the middle child, man, it's like. <laughs> They know they have a lot of kids, you know what I mean? <laughs> and, when, and once they hear noise in the car, they think they have them all, you know what I mean? And they were just like, yo, they left me. So, and my mom nowadays, when I bring it up, she acts like she has no idea what I'm That's talking That's what my about. mom does. I'm like, you you didn't pick me up and I would wait for hours. I was always there. I'm like, no, you weren't. You were in a different state. You were nowhere near you. where I was. Uh. So Wait, bad. did they? Do you remember a time that they forgot you? Oh yeah. yeah. Tell me, I need to I hear went this. To, so when I was like around seven or eight years old, we used to have this thing on Saint Croix called the Agricultural Fair, mm-hmm. and where that is, because it's a it's a it's a agricultural island. Like we do a lot of farming and yeah. stuff. So they used to have a fair. People show off, you know the what they grew and stuff so we would go and they have animals you could play with and stuff (laughs) and so i went off to feed the goats or something yeah they didn't tell me that they were leaving i came back to where (laughs) i remember them to be and they were gone i'm sorry to laugh but it so (laughs) makes everything it makes sense everything makes sense and then i was walking around the fair trying to find them and thankfully, it's not a big place like it's St. Croix, so it's not, you know, right. millions of people. You you will run into somebody you know. And I ran into this teenager that lived in the same uh, air projects that I lived in. Uh-huh. And he was like, I'll take you home. And he made sure I got home. Were your parents freaking out or were no, they just no, like... No, they were having dinner. When what? I got, when I got <laughs> in the house, yo, everybody was at the table. <laughs> what are dinner. you talking about? <laughs> I'm telling you, man, that was one of the most traumatizing experiences of my life, and they were just eating. Wait a second. Okay. Hold on. So there was an empty chair where you normally sit at the table? Yeah, they were just eating, and they thought thought maybe I just ran off, and I'll You were seven? Yeah, seven. That is unbelievable. Yeah, I was seven or eight. I think they did it. Mainly, they weren't as worried because of where we lived. You know? Right. Like, you didn't hear about kids getting kidnapped. Right. It was different Because you can't do that on an island. Like, where are you going to take them? If you kidnap me, where are you taking me? There's <laughs> <laughs> like 17 of us here. You know what I mean? Like, you yeah. Taking me You're taking me to, like, the next door name. I mean, it's yeah, right I mean, there. So it's, that, that wasn't a concern, but. 
Right. Oh my God, that's so, I can't believe they were all sitting there having dinner. Just eating, yeah. Were you crying? You yeah. must have been petrified. I was, I was like, y'all left me. You left me. I, was, I wasn't crying. I was just more like, I was pissed off and scared because I was, I was pissed off because I was scared. I'm right, like, I, I was scared. That. Like, like, I, like, I didn't know, I didn't have money like that. My, plus they were so cheap, they never gave us money. So now if I had to catch a bus home, which I probably knew how to, I knew which way because it's only, you know, one main road. So <laughs> There's I know. only one road. And you see, I'm not going that way. Yeah. And the bus driver's way. your brother. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> and so, you know, I was scared and more pissed off. And then my mother was just like, go get some food. Now that I'm was her response to me. Go get some food. I know. I get yeah. it. I, I totally yeah, get it. Crazy. They don't validate your feelings. No. Do you feel like, because I do, and I know it's weird because you're like a man's man. Like mm. you, you're very much a man. I'm looking at you right now. Like you're so, you're such a man. Okay. That's a compliment. That's a big I, I, I'm, compliment. I'm taking it, at that. it is. Thank it you. is. Like you Thank just you. own it, but you're also very sweet and sensitive. Like I love that about you, oh, you know. Thank you. But I mean, did you do you feel like you've always had kind of fear because you were brought up like that? Cuz I I do. Oh, Cuz I yes. was home all the time alone. Like people didn't pick me up. I was always scared, and I yeah. still feel that way. Oh yeah. I I mean, yeah, absolutely. I've always had like anxiety about you know what i i've always since because when we moved here we moved into east new york mm -hmm. at the, in the 80s which at the time was the worst neighborhood in america and right it was like crack infested and you know we moved into that which is that's tough it's a lot. Like, i'm 13 yeah. and like i am the target now you know yeah. what i mean and i'm moving into a world that i don't know anything about and i'm watching people get killed like you know how many people i've seen get killed I've stayed concerned about somebody killing me. Yeah. To this day, I still stay stay concerned about. Yeah, that. we've talked about that, you and I, and I really yeah. get it. Yeah. Where, I mean, you at first of at thirteen, that is so traumatizing. Oh yeah. I mean, I went through like my parents' divorce and all of that shit at thirteen, and it traumatized me. I can't even imagine yeah. going to a neighborhood where you never feel safe. Just my first week, we used to live in this building. Used to live, so don't be weird and go try to find me there. We used to live in this building called 660 uh, Hegeman Avenue. Mm -hmm. And they used to call it Vietnam. I didn't know that. Wow. And the first week I was, I was living there, I was working at uh, Key Food Supermarket, which was around the corner. I'm walking home at night from work, and I go to open my building door, and there's a shotgun in my face. Holy and the dude is shit. like, move out the way. He's trying <gasps> to shoot the dude across the street. Oh my God! I was like, what the fuck is going? Can I curse on you? Yeah. Oh my God! You please like, curse as much as possible. What the fuck is going on? That How was old like my were you? Like seventeen? No, I was thirteen. Holy shit! No, I was fourteen then. Yeah, I was fourteen then because we had we were homeless and all that shit. Yeah, man, we had a ride in this bitch. Yeah, we had a ride. So did your mom work or did she? Was she I mean, she had five kids. Eventually, so. yeah. Well, in St. Croix, she didn't because she didn't have to. My father was, you know, making good money. And with the yeah. women, really, it was like that old women stay home and take care of the kids. But when we moved to New York and shit got that rough, everybody had to work. Mm -hmm. We all worked. Right. 
Yeah. We were, we were all in there. You know, everybody found a job somewhere. I worked growing up too, which people probably wouldn't think, but my parents brought me up to always work and have yeah. to make money to, to have money to live, like do extra things. They didn't just yeah. hand me money, which I'm so grateful for. Oh, yeah. I, did you get along with your siblings well? Oh, yeah. Me and my me and my brothers, well, especially the two older ones. My younger brother, he was like a really a lot younger than us. We just kind of protected him. We didn't like... He didn't really hang out with us, but I hung out with my older brothers a lot, you know, but sometimes they would leave me. <laughs> I know. <laughs> we would go places, they'll meet a girl, and then that's it. Oh, my God. <laughs> I was like, do you have problems in The first thing I just thought was, do you have problems? Because this is all from my own experience. I have abandonment issues, like, yeah. in relationships. Oh, I definitely have that. Yeah. Absolutely. Like, you get close to someone, you're like, they're going to fucking leave me, too. Oh, yeah. I. You know what, though? I've I've recognize that about myself and I have definitely sought help about that because Good. that's not a cool way to live, man. It's not. Like I, I don't like it. I don't like how it makes me feel. So I decided, you know, I got to find somebody to talk to. I, you know, I've been to therapy and all of that, man, especially after my wife passed away. I was like, wow, I know I that was a to deal horrible, with any of this stuff. That was a hard, I mean, that must've brought up. Oh my God. Oh God, Mike, scary. I'll never forget that. I mean, it was very sudden, <laughs> you know, nowhere, man. so to deal with that, you, went to therapy absolutely you reached out to friends right absolutely. you were very open about it which is good absolutely man because you know what i realized when i was dealing with it was i i'm not qualified to deal with this like i don't i don't know what's up and what's down man all i know is this is like my life has just been dramatically altered the person that i thought for for sure i was gonna and i used to tell her all the time how are, what are you going to do without me? Because you know you're going to outlive me. Like, I, I right. smoked Isn't cigarettes and all this stuff. So I definitely thought she was going to outlive me. So to get that news, like, just like that, out of the blue, man, that was... You were in New York and she was, was in crazy. L.A., she right? She was working in L.A., yeah. She was a, she was a television producer. She worked on uh, Divorce Court. She was out there working on Divorce Court. And she had just started back producing because she was also a plus-size model. Yes, I remember. Took, she was stunning. yeah. yeah. That was my boo. I know. And then she, and you got a phone call one day? You just got a phone I call? I got, well, she had a knee surgery. Right, that's right. And, uh, and so I spoke to her that night, and then the next day, uh, her cousin called me. She was staying with her cousin, and her cousin called me, and she really didn't even know how to say it. She was just like, Mia was fine, Mia was fine. And I was like, okay. Because she called me before in the morning. She said, Mia woke up not feeling well, but mm -hmm. we called the... You know, we call the ambulance and they're going to come and take her. And I'm thinking, okay, let me know when you settle in at the hospital. I'm not thinking the next phone call is going to be she's gone. Like, what? Yeah, it's what? so... That was crazy. How, you must have been... How did you... This is, you know what, a lot of comics are, listen to this podcast. And also, a lot of people who try to use humor to deal uh, with pain. Yeah. And I've been very open about my sister you know, having an aneurysm and my, my stepfather, my daughter has heart disease, you know, all this mm. shit, you know, that I've yeah. been through and going through. And it really helps people to hear about this. But how did you perform? I mean, people ask me that a lot because I've performed while my daughter's in intensive care. Oh, uh, wow. Yeah. Oh. I mean, I've had to yeah. get on stage or else I will lose my mind. Well, after Mia passed, I didn't. I, I, was, I was done with comedy. I was like, I can't. How am I going to make people laugh? Right. You know what I mean? And I took like, I took a long time, like maybe four months or something like that. And I wasn't even thinking about coming back to comedy. But, mm -hmm. you know, and this is so crazy. I don't know if you know Mark 
Lund. He yeah. used to own Governor. Yeah, yeah. Right? Uh-huh. He would call me all the time and be like, man, I know what happens when things like this go down. Just don't quit comedy. Man. That's amazing. Just don't quit. Whatever yeah. you do, we're here for you when you want to come back. And he would just call me like, you know, on like a weekly basis mm-hmm. and be like, yo, don't, just don't, you know, just make sure you take your time, but don't quit. And so, you know, he helped me to get back on stage. And I was it governor, really hard? To, it must have been really hard to like get on stage again. Or was it OK? Oh, yeah. it was, but you know, us once we get that <laughs> mic and that first joke comes out. Yeah. Like, what the fuck was I worried about? You know, so once I did it, I was like, OK, yeah, this is where I belong. It is scary even when you because I've taken off time like a month or two. And then when you have to go back on, I feel oh, like yeah. I'm starting over. It's yeah, it weird was, feeling. Well, they were cool because what they did was they booked me to headline, but they also booked Tim who can also headline. Who's hysterical. So in case I couldn't do it, Tim could just, you know, oh, take over. Oh, that's good. And so that was really cool, man. So I love them dudes for life for that. Yeah, I do too. I mean, that's so good that they supported you and encouraged yeah. you to do that. Yeah, definitely. How long have you been doing stand-up? I think it's almost like, I started 25 years. I started Isn't that when crazy? I, was 25, yeah. I can't even believe that. Yeah. It's that so crazy? weird because I'm, I'm in my 21st year. Yeah. It's so, I mean, don't you think back like what the where did that time go <laughs> i think about I, the ride though man and i love it even the shitty shitty times like yeah. now that i look back and i'm like yeah this is where i wanted to get to you know what i mean yeah and it was all worth it because you know i'm a working comic like i i yeah I, i'm good like i pay my bills i take care of my son i do you know i just take care of my family from doing stand-up so it was all worth it, but what a crazy ride. And I started in Black Room, so. Yeah, well, what made yeah. you get, I, I mean, I have to ask, what made you get started? I was working at the Museum of Modern Art, and I hated it. And I was just Why? Like, There's I such interesting people are around. They? Are there? <laughs> I hated it. and um, If I worked there, I'd end up hating white people. Let me tell you something. Those people are kind of special. Rich white folks. Oh, mm, they're the, oh, wa- cream please. of the crop. Yeah. Yeah, I, I they have I, no idea how shitty they are. That's oh my the God, they have, and thing. they, by the way, they don't care, even if they know. I they think don't if they care. really knew, they would care. Like, wow, some, I'm really that shitty? Like, yeah. I think some of them would, because I wouldn't say because you're rich, like you're inherently an asshole. I think some of them would, but being rich mm-hmm. does not ever give them the opportunity to see how shitty they are because they're always running shit. They're always in charge of shit. They're always getting People a yes. People always want to give exactly. them whatever they want because they're rich. And so it's hard to, it's like, you know, like ball players that you, they find that are talented from when they're 12. Those kids don't live normal lives after that. Right. Once they know you got NBA level skill, you ain't living a regular life, man. <laughs> you know, know what I mean? Alonzo Ball came into the NBA with his own sneaker. I mean, come on. You ain't even play a game yet and you got your own sneaker. Can you imagine if these old white people had their own sneaker? (laughs) (laughs) Oh, how funny would that be? (laughs) It would be a horrific looking sneaker. Don't you think? Did they treat you like the help? They treat me like that. I can't even. Well, no, I wouldn't allow them to. Oh, that's good. My father was very good in pumping this black pride into me. Good. So. I'm thankful for that. I Explain never to people what to. that is because people are clueless. Well, you know, some black people, they don't think that they're on the same level as white folks. They've been conditioned to believe that, and that, that, that they are better, but that's through slavery and all that stuff. Mm-hmm. That's, just a, that's just residue of slavery and Jim Crow and, 
you know, and you got to understand, we've only kind of sort of leveled the playing field in the last 30 years for I black know, folks. I know. Think about it. I, I do we were think marching about in it. the 60s. I know. So, it's I mean, crazy. how good do you think things really have gotten? You, Mike, you really think it's like 100? Well, look what's mean? going on. Exactly. So Anyone who thought that things were going okay is not seeing what's going on. Well, it's, the only people that thought things were going okay were white folks. <laughs> That's true. I mean, let's be real. Everybody else true. in this country, maybe Asians, because they, they have taken them under their wing pretty well. And they've, oh, they've, Asians oh, are yeah, fine. They're good. They've never, they, they don't really... They don't really have the stories that we have to tell. I think they're well, they just, do have that World War. Yeah, but they're yeah, just around, and everyone's tough, like, though. "Whatever." Like no, they don't really. We can't really dismiss that. That was kind of tough. The concentration camps. Okay, yeah, yeah. So it's only white people. <laughs> well, only white people thought things were good, man. I don't know if Jews think things are good because we we're still hated too. Not at the same level, yeah. but oh, there's yes. still there's still a lot of <laughs> anti-Semitism. Here's something fascinating. Yeah. So. I wanted to check out one of these white supremacist websites, right? So I went on one. I think it was Christian Coalition, just to see, you know. Christian Coalition yeah, is an amazing name for Jesus a white supremacist. They yeah, love yeah. the Lord in their hate. Right. That, that must be They some should God call it ham hate. I know. Ham hate. <laughs> for real. So I go on there, and I'm expecting to see nigga this, nigga that. <laughs> Nothing about black people. No, I like know. Four pages I know in. what you're going to say. We're not a threat to them. Yep. They hate Jews. Yep. When I tell you, I have never seen anything like it. Thank you for acknowledging that. Oh, my that. God. And I used to hear Jewish people say that all the time, and I'm like, man, you ain't never been black. They really don't like y'all. They don't. Well, a lot of it's people crazy. don't like us. This is the thing. They don't. They don't see it because Jews. You know, uh, not all, but a lot of Jews have money, so they think we're okay. I'm, I'm being serious. That's how dumb yeah. people are. So they're like, oh, they have houses and this and job. It's like, no, it doesn't matter. It's still really bad. I know it is. Yeah, it is really, really severe towards really Jewish people now. Jews. Like they blame Jews for it. Everything. I know. That's why people get so crazy about protecting Israel. Yeah. That's a big thing. But yeah. I don't know. I don't even know what's going to happen. And plus, Jewish people are so mixed now, like so divided. Everybody want to be a part of the group. Yep. But let's not even get to that because we'll both jump out the window. <laughs> so when you were working at the museum, we yeah. didn't get to it. What made uh, you start comedy? Yeah, so um, there was a security guard there, and he was doing stand-up. I found out he was doing stand-up. What happened was they opened the store in Grand Central Terminal, and I was sent to run that store. And so my security guard was a comic. And, oh, that's uh, and so, I would so talk interesting. talk to him about stand-up, because I always liked stand-up, but yeah. never thought like I would like, to do it. Right. That just wasn't even in my, on my radar, because I wouldn't even know. You know, when you're growing up in, in East New York, you don't know how, how people get into show business. You know of what course. I mean? That's the last so, thing you'd be thinking of. You have a shotgun in your face. Exa exactly. So when I met him, you started talking about comedy, and I, I used to help him write jokes. You know, I used to be like, oh, Yo, you should say this. You know, and I love and that. Just throw in little things, and then I went, and then I went to see him perform, and he did a lot of the jokes that I helped him to write. Oh my! And God. they worked, and so I was like, and he was like, "Yo, you could do this shit." You know, you know how to tell a joke. You, and I was like, and then one day when I was really hating my job, I was like, "Why not try it?" And I, I wrote two minutes, and I went to the Uptown Comedy Club. I yeah. am so blown away by that because when people tell that story that they just wrote jokes and went on stage. Yeah. 
it freaks me out really? because I was I couldn't do it. I was freaking so out. So how did you get? End up I had on to stage? take a class. I oh, had really? to do it for six weeks in front of other people starting out oh, because no. I was petrified. Well, the first time I went, I wrote my jokes. I went to the Uptown. They had this thing called the Uptown Comedy Club. It doesn't exist anymore. Mm -hmm. But they had this segment every Sunday. They would do called the New Jack segment. So that's where they would put everybody that wanted to try it. They would put them on there mm -hmm. for two minutes, and then after the at the end of that segment. Monteria Ivy, uh, God bless his soul, who was one of my mentors in this game. He was so dope. He would uh, ask the crowd, do they come back or do they oh gotta go? Oh, my God. And so, um, yeah. But, but no, not do they come back. Do they pass? Do they pass on to regular spots? So you could always come back and try the New Jack segment again. But you had to work your way out of that. What a tough way to yeah. start, but that's incredible. Yeah. So and, what happened I, I, the first time? The first time I went up there, I put my name on the list, and I was back there, and I was fucking getting so scared, and I just left. <laughs> <laughs> Yo, I just left. I you was left like, I'm doing this shit. What's the matter with you, man? Get your ass up. I jumped right on that train, and I went home, and I was so mad at myself. I would, when too. I, I home, would I run. Like, wow, you're a fucking... Pussy, like how dare? <laughs> Why would you run like that? <laughs> and so the next week I went up there and I put my name on the list. And the guys that own it, their mom used to run. She used to be at the front door, and she was like, "You gonna stay this time, or you gonna run again, like a little bitch?" <laughs> and I was like, "No, nah, I'm gonna stay this their time." Their mom was at the front. Yeah, the, my, her mom started. They, their mom started chastising me. <laughs> and so I said, "No, nah, I'm gonna stay." And I stayed, and I went on, and I did really well. And, uh, and I passed. The first time I went wow. on, I passed. I didn't bomb in comedy until like two months in. Oh, yeah. yeah. I did pretty well in the beginning, too. And then I bombed like crazy. I mean, oh, yeah. I don't know. I mean, it's so hard. It's, you go through so many different phases. Oh, yeah, man. Right? Yeah. What do you think is like one of the most disappointing things you've dealt with in the 25 years? That is such a, that's half I, of your I, I, life. I, yes. Isn't that what crazy? is one of the? Isn't that crazy? It's nuts. It's isn't wow, it? I, I know. Even think about it. And like I, that. I don't commit <laughs> it is to half things. Half of my life. Yeah, I don't commit to things. So yeah. like, for me to be so committed to this for so long is a yeah. miracle. Yeah, I, I, you know, and you know what? I don't even think like, I made this choice. It, it was made for me. Comedy just grabbed me. Like that was my crack. Hit, yeah, you know. Uh, Mark Theobald used to say that it's like crack. You know, you take that first hit and you just gotta keep keep running back. You can't. You can't stop. If you're meant to do it, yes. Because so many it, people yes. quit and stop, which if, I if, understand. Yes. If you're meant to do it. I mean, it's so much easier to just quit. It is. You know? But my most disappointing moment in this game was mm -hmm. I, we had a show at Spike TV that one person got killed. We had, a, uh, we, we had pitched this um, show to Spike TV. It was an animated sketch comedy show. And we took we, it took us a year to get that. First show of all, that's such a good idea—an animated yeah. sketch comedy show. It was it? great. They they loved it. Spike loved it. They they uh, we did a pilot. They tested the pilot, and they said that the pilot came back testing on par with what the Chappelle show tested. So that the, the network was high on this. They were they we came back in immediately. It took a year and a half of my life I gave to this thing, man. Whoa. We put together. A half a season, then they then they made us do like a table read. One, uh, they like pulled people out of Times Square into this office and yeah. made us table read the show for them. We got a standing ovation, and at the sta and after and after that, they were like, "Well, maybe we should make this a live action show because these guys are like really good." I, yeah, I don't want to blow him up, but I won't say his name. But 
one of the EPs. Who is it? He's done a lot of things, uh, but he's also, I did not know he was like, kind of had blackballed himself. Whisper. (laughs) 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 um, He did a a lot of things, and so I thought I was in good hands, but nah, man, when they started talking about live action, he started, I don't know if he had money problems or whatever, but he started beefing about money and this and that, and then he was like, talking to the development people and they were like well we're just tossing the idea around you know we haven't really decided on anything yet so let's you know take our time mm-hmm. so he was like why am i talking to people that are not making decisions and he went above the development guy to the vice president to the president of spike at the time mm-hmm. sent him an email with all kinds of shit in it and we asked him not to do that we said, you know what? Yeah, we might think we have a hit show, but nobody's seen it. So we don't know if anybody's even going to watch it. We don't know if they're going to market it right. We don't know what's going to happen. Let's get the show so on the air So it's ego first. and fear. Someone ego gets and fear. filled with ego and fear and takes yeah. it in their own hands and fucks up and the whole thing. It up. And then they People don't realize how many things are so good and they're gold and they they're, they could be hit show and one person One fucking guy. And can ruin the whole him, thing. We asked him not to do that. We right. were like, don't do that because we don't know, we don't have a hit. We have a show that we think is pretty good, that the network think is pretty good, but nobody has seen it yet. So we now it's even, gone. And now it's just gone because he's he's part ownership of the show and and I'm, nobody's going to work with him on yeah. it. Yeah. You can't take the title and move on because he owns I have a situation that. like that too and it's very hard to deal with, but I have to keep telling myself there's a reason why I'm not making the show, which is not true, yeah. but I have to tell myself that so that I don't kill someone. I know. And you know the nerve he had to... This, this is how nervy this son of a bitch is. So then he calls us after we lose that show, and he says he wants to pitch it to Comedy Central. We go. I go meet with him, because still, it's, it's a good show. Mm-hmm. So at the meeting, you, you know, I go, okay, I'm, the only how I'm going to be down with this is if I have some kind of say-so in what's done at the end of the day, you know, some kind of production credit, because... I put my destiny in somebody's of hands course. before, right? And we we all saw what happened. So he said, "So you?" Said, so he was like, "So you don't trust me?" I'm like, "No, I don't trust you. <laughs> you, you blew it. You, like we asked you not to do something and you did it. Mm-hmm. So of course now I need some kind of security." And he goes, "Well, you're not a producer. Producers sell shows. You're very talented. I can't give you a producer credit because producers sell shows." I said, well, what, do you, what am I doing here? You're asking me to help you sell the show. This is so interesting to me because everything I've been involved with lately, I've insisted on being a producer. And a lot of times you have to fight with people to have that happen. Yeah. But it is crucial at our level to Absolutely. get that credit. And sometimes if you can't, you have to just give up the project because yeah. it. we are a producer. You, pro- you produce the whole thing yeah. also. So There's different you, things that people do as producers. You're not going to... I know the work that I put into this, man. We put a year and a half into this of our lives, man. We we were there... Yo, one time we were there overnight. We did like the, we did like the 24 hours we were there working mm-hmm. on this show. That's so no incredible. Sleep, I know. You know? And then one person just throw it out the window and then now you want so I said no I said if, if I can't get what I'm asking for then I'm not going to help you sell the show you can go sell it yourself good I'm glad that and you did that and I walked away from it and everybody else followed and walked away from it as well mm-hmm. so yeah. nothing became of it but it was a great idea 
What, well, what do you think you get out of being a stand-up? Do you think it's like therapeutic for you? Do you? Oh man, it's like air for me, man. I gotta be on stage. I know, now. me too. At this point in my life, yeah, for me, I get freedom, man. You know. Do you feel more powerful as a black man? I'm serious. Sometimes I when I have certain jokes and points that I want to get across to white people, yes, I feel like I have your attention. You have to listen to me. I cannot tell you how much I relate to that. Yes. Because I see you doing that on stage, and I oh, think yeah. it's really important, instead of just being funny, yeah. that you're teaching people a lesson. You're explaining things to them. I always wanted to do that. That's why I wanted to do comedy. That Those are the comics that I liked, you know, the comics that when I finished listening to them, I learned something about something that I knew nothing about, about, you know, Pryor introduced me to a world I knew nothing about. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Uh, Carlin, I mean, he's geniuses. These guys, you know, they taught and made you laugh at the same time, you know? That's my favorite they made, comedy, They, they gave too. you a different way of looking at things, you know? Different perspective, you know? I and, think that's what people like now, too. And an intelligently thought-out perspective, not just to be different, but... Here's why I see it this way, you know, and mm-hmm. you could do that with comedy. You could open people's minds up to something that maybe they didn't even consider. I, I really you know? love that. I love that about what you do. I yeah. feel like that when I watch you that I'm it changes my perspective or makes me think something I didn't think before, even oh, though I'm a very you. understanding person and mm. I see what's going on. Like I've always said, I see not to the level even a hundredth of how you see it or feel mm. it, but I feel what people the racism and i see yeah. it and i i unf- i wish i didn't to be honest with you i say mm. that a lot because i know you know this but i feel like some people don't see anything oh, and then yes. people like me see every single yeah. i watch everyone like if i'm if i were walking down the street with you i mm. would see what everyone was doing yeah oh because i some do that people all the walk time. with blinders on i do that all the time i've been walking with people and them pointing out stuff to them and they're like what wait what i know i'm like you don't look around (laughs) i thought it was my east new york upbringing like you know somebody might be trying to get you (laughs) it's not i mean i told i told this i was with alonzo in israel alonzo Uh, Bowden, and you know he's so tall and and he was like jess look over there look and i was like i see it i you don't have to point it out i see every single thing you're saying he kept saying they think i'm a famous basketball star we were hysterically laughing yeah and when i was in korea they did that to us they were staring at us everywhere we went meet because i was with this other tall black dude so they were like oh basketball team the globe trotters are here the globe (laughs) globe you should have taken one of the little asian people and done tricks with them under your legs it was so weird man one of the a girl touched my skin to see if it came off. <laughs> yeah, I'm sorry. On the train, yeah. She what did. she thought it was fudge? She, no, she just didn't. She'd never seen it because they told us that though. We did okay. a lot of military stuff over there. I need to know what happened because that is well. I- <laughs> they told us that people don't. A lot of people in in Korea don't get to see unless they live in the major cities. Right. They don't get to see black people or anybody really different because. It's just Korean people. Like they told us that people might come up to you and touch your hair. They might touch you. They might, you know, because they've probably never seen anybody that looks like you. So me and this guy was oh my, taking the train. I can't take it from Seoul to o- to this town called Osan, where you could buy like he likes suits, so you could get cheap suits uh-huh. made, really quality shit. But yeah. Cheap. And so we taking the train, and we're on the train, and running through rural ass uh, South Korea and these girls get on at one stop and just was like staring at us 
And one of them just walked up and just touched my hand. <laughs> just did, just touched it and then like like looked and was like, oh. and then re- like and rubbed then her like, fingers around yeah. like no dirt came off. Like, I can't. I'm like, did she think I'm dirty? Like I, I was kind of confused. Like I'm like, she probably thinks I'm like dirty. Like I wonder if she wanted to take. How your, does she not know that there's other different looking humans? Well, I, I, well, that is so fascinating, isn't it? Can you yeah. imagine if you did that to a woman? Oh my god! You should do that the next time you're in Asia. <laughs> just, you just should touch. just go on a train yeah. and touch the woman's vagina and then put it, your fingers together and see if it comes. You want up. me to get locked up in Asia? <laughs> well, I don't see I mean, why it's okay for a woman to touch bra. you and you can't. You know, this is the world we're living in. It's okay for women to do a lot of things. We were talking about that. Like people say a woman uh, yeah. can hit you and you're not supposed to hit her back. Listen, I'm like, yeah, you, but you hit me and you knew I was bigger than you. I you don't agree me. with that. I think if a woman clocks a guy you. in the face, you got to protect yourself. I body slammed a girl one time. She smacked me in the face. What happened? Yeah, if you hit me in the face, yeah, uh, that's a trigger. For if me. someone hits you in the face, you have a right to protect yourself. Yeah, I body slammed her. <laughs> so I didn't hit her. Did. did you take a running start or no, did you just. No, I just picked her up and I fucking slammed her on that's the That's hot. And I just held her down there and I was like, wow, can we I do that at the end of the... I told you repeatedly not yeah. to... <laughs> oh, I'm learning so much about Jessica. I know, Mike, you know I love you. I'm, I still can't believe a little Asian woman touched your skin yeah, and tried man, to see if it came so off. Out, can man. I do that to you, like at the comedy cellar <laughs> and just with a straight face? Yeah, and when, just, you do, when, when I introduce you. Yeah, will you? Oh my God. Yeah. We are to, the next yeah. time you introduce me, I'm gonna yeah. just gonna touch your skin yeah, and see that. if it comes off and see how the audience responds. <laughs> They'll want to kill me. They are gonna love it. Yeah, I, I'm gonna start. Like I'm gonna put. Then I'm gonna put the finger in my mouth and <laughs> like if it's chocolate. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> you know what? A lot of them would probably be like, I've always wanted to do that. Yeah. <laughs> I wonder if he tastes good. Why yeah, folks no. always do that? I, in St. Croix, one time we were on the docks. We used to go swim off the dock. We used to jump off and like, and the tourist ship would come in. We would, um, we would like, they would throw money in and we would dive down and get the money and, you know, come yeah. back up. And I was there with this dread, this Rastafarian, older, he was older than us. And this white lady came off the boat and she was like, oh, my God, I love your hair. And she went to touch his hair. Man, he lost his mind. That was my, oh my first God, experience with that. Yes. And he was like, if you touch my fucking hair, I'm going to throw you in this fucking water. I don't, you can't just touch someone. Yeah. No, but she thought, you know, we were what like natives and we, touch- she was in the zoo. I that's, that's how it comes off. That is so true. It comes off like true. you're in a fucking, you're a zoo animal to Right. Them. Like if you're in a petting zoo and a goat walks by, you're just going to touch yeah. it. So they probably feel the same way. I mean, I know white people look different than us, but I've never, ever thought about asking a white person to touch their hair. Like that doesn't even. Now, when they were near you, did they bring quarters to put in the machine so they could get a handful of food to feed you? <laughs> I know, right? <laughs> I know, right? It was, yeah, it's very condescending. Stop doing that way. Yeah, folks. listen, if you're listening to this podcast right now, don't touch people oh to God. see what they feel like, if their skin color comes off. I mean, if they taste good. I mean, it's really unbelievable. Yeah. I would love to... I, this is where it gets crazy. If you ever did that to a white person, yeah. you would be put away. Oh, yeah. They would lock me up. That yeah. would be some kind of assault or some shit like that. 
That is just unbelievable. Yeah. It really is. I, I'm so grateful that you came on the show. I love you so much. I, I, I love you too, Jessica. I love your comedy, and I appreciate all the compliments you give me, even though it never fills the hole. <laughs> uh, well, I am just so grateful to you. And I, you guys, you have to listen to Mike Yard. Download his, his album. He's on Twitter and Instagram, at Mike Yard Comedy. Yeah. Follow him. He's brilliant. Huge things are happening for him and are going to happen. And uh, I just, I love you very much. I love you too, Jessica. You're one of my favorites. You know oh, that. Thank you so much. Thanks for okay. having me. You're welcome. Time to be body slammed. Bye, everyone. <laughs>